Oh, things are good. Good, good. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no I, problem. Uh, did you send me the W two or was it the ten ninety nine for you that you sent? Uh, mine was a ten ninety nine. Okay, that makes sense if you're like you know door to door. Right. Sorry, I'm opening my tea right now, so. No, you're good. But yeah, I did. I did door to door. I obviously was not as good as you. If you made like you know five hundred thousand. <laughs> sure. But I've uh, I've gone through that war. That mental gotcha. that mental war. And you're now you're Landon, right? Yes. Okay. And you were saying you're from Utah? I am. Yeah, I'm from Utah. Um, and like Salt Lake City area, basically. And uh, living in Detroit, Michigan area now. So, yeah, came out here to work in the uh, mortgage industry, actually. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I grew up in Sandy. And so no I'm way. Utah born and raised. Yeah. I, I definitely recognize, recognize the name of that, that, uh, that city. <laughs> yeah. to say the least so good place so yeah um you do door-to-door -door solar right yep okay and how long have you been doing it for uh man since like 2013 or so wow. i did uh i did like alarm sales before that and so i've been doing door-to-door -door for like 15 years or so wow that's incredible yeah there's there's some people that really like I don't know. What do you think is the difference between someone that can last that long in it and someone else? Because the turner, the turnover in door-to-door -door sales is just crazy. Like, you know, most people can't last a month. What do you think is different sure. about G that made you, you know, last that long and, and be successful at it? I mean, I got into it a little bit. Like after I'd started my career, I was like doing a lead generation business and I started up a company and then a buddy of mine had done door-to-door -door and the fact that I was pretty successful right out of the gate, but I looked at it almost like this is just a business. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, I'm door to door selling magazines, but if I treat it and I can scale it like a business would, I'm kind of in charge of my own marketing, my own, like they have the product. All I got to go out there to do is put it out into the masses. And if door to door is a scalable model, cool. Like there's no roof on this thing. And so it's pretty yeah. well protected just like any business, except I'm not the one taking the risk. Okay. So I, I kind of looked at it through a little bit more mature eyes than your typical 17 year old kid who starts a door to door job. But I mean, after a while, I mean, like in sales, you start making good money and it's, it's hard to walk away from. Right. So you find yourself 15 years deep, still slanging door to door. Still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, those bills keep you going too. That's like, you know, half of it usually, right. <clears throat> yeah. The bills yeah, trying to build up your assets, um, generally like, you know, build up wealth and stuff. It's like, you just don't want to put it on pause. So it's like, you know, you keep going. It's, it's hard to walk away from like, and when you're in door to door, you're so used, I mean, any sales, I guess, but you're so used to being in control of your own paycheck and guys that try to step away from that and get real jobs. Like, you realize how spoiled you are in sales where if you're good at something, you're usually paid in direct proportion to that. Uh -huh. it's, it's almost impossible to leave. Have you seen people try to leave and come back? All the time. Really? Okay. Cause I'm yeah. trying to think like who has left and then came back. I'm trying to think, cause I've only worked in sales. I'm 27 basically. So since I was 18, I've been in sales. Um, I've seen a bunch of people leave and just stay. 
but they never liked it. Like they never, I guess they, it was never working out for them. So that's why they left. Um, gotcha. So th th that's what I think of when people leave, but I'm trying to think of people coming back. Like what example can you think of in your life that you've seen someone come back or something? I mean, you have your guys that like just start out and they're not cut out for sales, right? They're not so right. disciplined or, you know, whatever that is. So those, you know, yeah, you constantly have a revolving door of that. But your guys that we have guys all the time that come in and after a year or two, they're pretty successful, but then they kind of get spoiled a little bit. You know what I mean? They stop coming to meetings or they start complaining about the leads or this or that. And then eventually they phase themselves out of the industry, but they always come back a year or two later just because they realize like how brutal a nine to five job really is. Like you can't vacation when you want, you can't do these other things when you want, where in sales, they had a ton of freedom. And usually those guys, once you've been in it about a year, you've got the golden handcuffs on, like you can't really leave if you wanted to, just because it, sales is kind of a different animal like that. Yeah. Okay. And then when they come back, do you feel like they're better, like, you know, more appreciative for the job and the opportunity or? Most of the time. I mean, I guess the guys that I've worked with, yeah. Um, they're a little bit more humble to it and they're like realizing, I don't know, sales. And I'm, I'm sure different sales is different, like car sales or night and day different than solar or real estate or, you know, any of these other things. But yeah, doing what we do, uh, doing solar guys come back all the time and now they're super humble and they just want to plug back into what works and put their head down and go to work yeah that's a funny thing too that i was thinking about with um <clears throat> with like sometimes i'll be doing my job and like you know there's varying degrees of me liking it or disliking it based on you know the day like what's going on and stuff um but a lot of days i'll be like dang dude this like really sucks other days I'll be liking it a lot, but definitely on some days, certain times it's just like, dang, this is like, you know, quite difficult. Um, but I'll think about other jobs in the past and like the way that people view jobs in general now is like, do I like it? When in the past, like you go back like a hundred years, I don't even think people were really thinking that it was just about, you know, practicality, like how much money do I make? Um, can I do this? Yada, yada. Like, if you go back yeah. to like when people were in the coal mines and stuff, <clears throat> whenever that was going on, like, you know, the person just knew like, Hey, there's a certain amount of things I can do. This company wants me to go and grab coal, got to go and do it. But he was never thinking like, is it going to fulfill me or is it going to make me happy? You know, but that's a very, sure. new, it's a very new concept in this generation that people think their job's going to fulfill them or, you know, bring them a lot of happiness. I do think it's possible um, for people to find that, but I think it's, you know, um, it's a, it, at least it's a new concept in, uh, in, in, humanity that, that it's going to bring you a lot of happiness you know that's kind of a double-edged sword too because like in doing that like our pursuit of what makes us happy like we've lost even my folks and my grandparents like there was a sense of pride of putting in all of your efforts like a hard day's work and yeah. now having pride in your work like even if it doesn't fulfill you just pride in doing your best you know what I mean so it's I feel like we've got kind of gotten softer as we've gotten away from that because we spend so much time looking for fulfillment. We're like chasing the rainbow, but missing what's right in front of us, which is like progress, development, doing hard things. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think about that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. The way that that people view jobs has changed drastically over the last, I don't know how many years, but um, I don't know. But definitely back in the day, people got fulfillment from their jobs, but there was definitely many, many of, like I would guess a large part of the workforce that would wasn't really even thinking like that too, too much back in the day, you know? But yeah, for sure. One thing that, that I noticed about sales, I had this experience where I went door to door sales with one of my buddies. We went out um, and I actually started out doing really well. Like I was one of the top people in the office for like the first, you know, two, three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I was just like getting sales. It was pretty um, easy, I guess you could say, but I didn't like it that much selling this particular product because there is definitely a difference in which product you sell. I will say that when it comes to sales, like if you like to talk about the product, that is the most important thing right there, I would say, because you're going to be talking about it all day. Um, yep. And so I started out well, but I didn't like it at all. It was it was uh, a product that I have no interest in. It was actually uh, um, TV services, basically. And I yep. don't even watch TV. My TV is literally sitting over there. It's, it's never even been plugged in. <laughs> I don't watch TV. <laughs> I, I have nothing to do with TV. But I'm like there on the doorstep, you know, trying to help people with their TV service. And uh, I just had no interest in it. But my buddy, he loved to talk about it. And he would even like, even once we were off the doors, he'd be talking about it. He'd be talking about these channels. He got people, these packages. And I knew instantaneously he was going to be better at the job because he liked it. I just knew he was going to be better. And at, on those first couple of weeks, he was not better. But I knew eventually he was absolutely going to be better at it than me. And that's exactly what happened. Sure. Yeah. Do you yeah, so uh, door to door like there's there's these certain products that are like commonly sold like it used to be like vacuums and knives and magazines. But over the last, I'd say, 10 to 20 years, it's transformed into like Dish Network and Comcast, like the cable kind of stuff. And then home security sales is a really strong one. Pest control. And just over yeah. the last five years or so solar especially in the coastal markets is just blown up and so it's uh it's weird like when i started door-to-door -door, it wasn't a real career but now like there's a ton of career door-to-door -door guys that do just a variety of different stuff and you can make you can get make good money i mean a lot of different products it's kind of cool yeah i would say solar seems to be the biggest at least from my instagram page you know i i i have like a pretty good poll uh you know, finger on the pulse for the sales industry, the sales, like, you know, career in general, in terms of which industries consistently people make good money in. Um, sure. And solar is always guys making over 150,000, I would say, like when I talk to a lot of um, 150k on a minimum, it seems like for solar, it's one of the higher industries per guy on average, how much they're making, they all seem to be making a lot, which I can't say about a lot of the other industries of people I talk to at all that the mm -hmm. average guy seems to be making so much. Sure. Yeah. Like, do you know much about the solar product or like where all the money comes from? No, <laughs> that would actually it's, be quite interesting to know. <clears throat> like, I mean, I don't want to sit and sell you, but like solar is such a weird product. Cause if you think about like the coastal markets where like California, New York, Massachusetts, power is way expensive. Like it's, common for people to pay a $400 power bill like every month. So their, their costs for power are so crazy. And most of the way they're getting powers from these power plants, shipping power over power lines to their house. 
and mm -hmm. we all just accept it. And if we get a high power bill, we just scream at our kids for leaving the lights on, but we just accept it and pay the power bill no matter what. And so these companies like, you know, Tesla and Sunrun and Vivint and these big companies came out and said, look, let's just slap panels on someone's roof. They're paying a three, $400 power bill anyway, but if we can put our panels on their roof and they can buy power from us cheaper, now we're a power company. So the product itself, I'm not knocking doors trying to sell someone solar panels. I'm knocking doors saying, hey, why are you paying the power company 400 bucks a month when you could pay for solar power from your roof for half that, right? So the product yeah. itself is super easy to sell just because everyone pays a power bill. But now we're, if you think of your dish network or you're like selling Comcast door to door, that's 50 bucks a month in revenue for the company for that cable service. Well, with solar, you're getting like 200 bucks a month for power, which they're never going to not use power. Yeah. So I've essentially got them, I mean, this contract for our solar company that's worth, I mean, 50, 60 grand. So the solar commission for one deal can be like 10,000 bucks just from putting panels on someone's roof and saving them half off their power bill. So the product is a unique sale because you're not really buying anything. You're just saving people money. And if you're in the right market, Detroit has super cheap power. So solar doesn't work there like it does in New Jersey or Massachusetts where the power rates are so high and we're just giving this stuff away. And I mean, it's really, really popular. But does it, does it depend on uh, like if they're north uh, part of the country or south, depending on the sun and things like that as well, if it works in that area? A little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, you want a south facing roof that gets a lot of sun exposure. But the, I mean, I always like growing up in Utah, I thought that Arizona, New Mexico were like the big solar states because they just get so much sun. And Massachusetts, like it's like one of the shadiest, like the least amount of sun exposure in the country. But because the power costs are so high, we can have like solar works there and it works really well because even though it doesn't get phenomenal sun, the sun it gets is definitely cheaper than the power company. And so it's all about just, can we save people money there? In Arizona, they're, I mean, Tulsa, Oklahoma pays like 20, 30 bucks a month for power. And so solar doesn't make a lot of sense in those markets, but in the right market, solar is a huge money maker. And why do, you, why do some markets uh, <clears throat> have cheap power? Um, to be honest, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not an economist, I get. Like, in Massachusetts, there's billions of trees everywhere, and they're always falling every snowstorm, and they always have all these power outages. I mean, the grid out here is, like, 150 years old, and so the cost to maintain the grid is just really expensive. Um, that and everything's more expensive in Boston and California than it is in the Midwest. And so like, I'd say a combination of those two things make the power cost really high. Yeah. Also but. to consumption of like your AC, like I used to live in, um, or sorry, well, yeah, like in California, when I say um, I used to live there, it was like I was selling there. So it's like, it's kind of different. Like when you just go somewhere to sell, it's like, were you really living there? Or were you just like, you know, there? Totally. Like, it, I mean, you have blinders on and you're going around, you know, to the neighborhoods. You're not really living like a, that regular of a life. But right. um, out there, I mean, people are running their AC all day because it's so hot. 
so that's another factor too i'm sure like you know if you run the power if you run the power all day you're uh, gonna have a higher bill so totally um it's funny to think about like the power companies and just the shock on these power companies uh, faces when, you know, people just say, Hey, we're canceling the service or, Hey, we're not, we don't really need to use the service anymore. Cause for, you know, gen- like decades, they just bill them and they pay and, and they have the monopoly on the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are like, Oh, we got solar panels. We're good now. And they must've been like very confused by that. You know, power companies are freaking out right now going to like, different levels of legislation being like hey we got to regulate the solar stuff and it's, it's kind of like the, it's dangerous you know the sun yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it's like electric cars i mean anyone who's in old big oil is freaking out because electric cars could replace what they do and so you know they're grasping at straws trying to slow things down where progress is just tipping stuff in a different direction and i mean it's like 200 years ago we were heavily dependent on whale oil so you had whaling industries going out harpooning these animals to extract whales and like whale oil. And that's how they got candles and oil and all that kind of stuff. But then once coal and fossil fuels blew up, the whaling industry completely died because coal was cheaper. And so there was like this economic shift. And that's exactly what solar's doing. Like now the sun, we can produce power cheaper than coal. So like we've seen this before, right? Like the whaling industry died coal. We only have 100 years or so left of fossil fuels anyway. So everything's shifting to renewables and everyone's going to fight it, but like you, you can't stop progress. Like that's kind of the way it's just going to go, whether I'm doing it or not, like that's what's happening. Yeah. Do you know like how many uh, homes have switched, like a percentage? Because it still has to be pretty small, I would guess. It is. I think nationwide, like market penetration for solar panels is like two percent um in massachusetts maybe it's like five percent and so it's still in its infancy stages um but growth of solar i mean you can take a look at the stock market or you know any of that kind of stuff like the solar industry was one of the number one job creators of 2020 like even during the pandemic and so it's a definitely a, a runaway freight train right now that's gaining a lot of steam so it's exponentially going up over the last few years, you'd say, getting bigger? Yeah, we get tons of people just calling us up saying, I know nothing about power. I just know that solar is booming and it's a safe thing that I want to be involved in because that's the future. And so everyone kind of wants to be in the solar industry now. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, did you, so when you first started in sales, were you like good off the bat or did you struggle at first and get better through time? I never considered myself like a salesman. Um, I always thought like a salesman was like a greasy, slick, willy, smooth talking, like, and that just wasn't me. I wasn't a scammer, but I was, I guess, pretty animated um, just in the way I talk. I'm a storyteller. And so it, it came kind of natural for me a little bit. And then once you learn to like, I don't know, talk about your product, but then draw emotion in your customer and get them invested into what you're talking about, make them like you as a person. Yeah. I mean, I guess my first year um, was pretty good. I had a pretty good rookie year where it did come a little more natural to me than some people, but it's a skill just like anything. I mean, someone might be a more natural ball player, but 
if they're practicing more than anybody else, like sales is a very learnable skill that anybody could plug into if they're like practicing repetitive enough. You think so? You think, think so, that yeah. you think it's very learnable? Yeah, like yeah. I we tell like I run a like a 60 man team and we have people come in that like have no business being in sales. Like they're just not <laughs> social. But it's like, yeah, if if I were to drop someone at the foul line and they're drop kicking a basketball, like it's never gonna go in. But if you teach them like, hey, here's how to hold it, here's how to shoot, like get your elbow tucked in, put a backspin on it. And that's right. all they did every day. Like, I don't care how athletic they are, they're gonna become a good free throw shooter. Like it's just it's going to happen. And sales is that way. It might be more difficult than is natural for like everybody, but I mean, if it's something where you want to be in control of your own paycheck and it's something you want to devote yourself to, like I'm not an electrician, but I bet if I learned a little bit about it and practiced at it, that'd be a pretty good one. And sales is just like just like anything, I guess. Yeah, I think sales is different in in regards to uh, certain things, though, uh, in terms of like a direct comparison, like I don't know if I'd compare it directly to like an electrician. Um, that's more just like one plus one equals two in terms of it's just a logical thing. Like, okay, you got to do this, got to do this. Uh, when I say one plus one equals two, I don't mean it's easy by any means. I mean, like, it's just like a thing that's just like, you know, you, you plug this in or you do this. I know nothing about electrician stuff, but you do like the stuff that is going to make it work. Um, I don't know. But with sales, it's like, it's such a wild card field um you're dealing with like your own emotions other people's emotions and then like you know your own brain and just trying to be confident or trying to be this or that it's like it's very it's very strange it's a it's like a very soft science that you're trying to like figure out but it's it's very it's very almost um it's not plug and play it's uh it's it's, it's complicated. hard to explain but, but you're totally right like the it, but I think everything, like if you boil it down to just the basics, if you ask somebody questions about themselves, they like you more. Like, and that's just a principle that exists. If you're at any party or if you're meeting the in-laws, ask them questions about themselves and they walk away from the conversation feeling enriched. So there's like a little skill that's like, oh, okay, I can, I can do that. You know what I mean? And then eye contact. And before you know it, you have this small bag of little tools that may not have been natural, but it is one plus one equals two kind of stuff where did I ask them questions? Was I like smiling and looking at them in the eyes when they were talking and little things like that, that you can apply that before you know it, like you might be a lot better than you thought you were just by applying some of those little things. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I'm trying to think what other, what other things can you tell someone that makes them better at sales? Like, you know, asking questions about asking the person questions about themselves. I like that. That's something that I should probably take away from this conversation to do with my sales calls, honestly. Um, which other ones do you, can you think of um, that would help people? I mean, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of difference, but I mean, self-confidence is probably number one and that's the hardest one because we're all these different people who have different levels of how they view the world, how they view themselves, how they carry themselves and self-confidence. 
almost can't be taught, right? It has to be like believed within you. Um, and so whatever like motivational books or I don't know, affirmations that you're like looking at yourself in the mirror saying things like there's a hundred different ways of building your own self-confidence, but I think that's the foundation. So if you're confident in yourself, you like yourself, then you almost look at the world like you can do anything, you can accomplish anything. Um, so I think self-help in sales is probably skimmed over. People talk about the product and sales skills and that kind of stuff all the time, but I don't know, learning to like yourself, be confident in the way you carry yourself, the way you talk to people. Um, I think there's a ton to that that oftentimes gets skimmed over. Yeah. Do you think, like, have you actually, because I've heard that before, um, things like that. I'm trying to think if it's, and even me, like I've read different things like that and um, self-help stuff. Maybe it did help me and I just didn't realize, or I'm not even sure. It's kind of hard to, you know, put a number on it or, or measure it, I think, unless it's like a really big change that you're like, whoa, I really noticed this. But um, have you ever had someone look into that material that you can think of, like self-help time material, and you, you saw a difference and it helped them a lot that you can think of? Um, I mean, everybody's so different, I guess. I mean, I, I guess I can just think of my own journey a little bit but like the more confident i am it's almost like like the principle of sales after you make a sale that's when you're most likely to make another sale right like you go from one to another and because you carry yourself differently you have this sense of accomplishment you're more likely to close somebody else mm -hmm. and that's why if you're in a rut it's so hard to get out of because you might be saying everything right but if you don't have that confidence and so repetition um i love for me like motivation i'm much more a fan of disciplines than i am like raw raw motivating kind of stuff that's what gives me confidence is having a set disciplined schedule every morning i'm up at the same time i exercise whether i feel like it or not i'll listen to a like personal development thing for a half hour so if i have this routine that definitely makes me really confident in my craft because I feel like I'm I'm dialed in like you know what I mean Kobe Bryant had a certain thing he did before games and it made him an animal you know what yeah. I mean so I kind of look at stuff and that's what that's what helps me is having disciplines wow yeah um what was I gonna say the uh something about self-help oh with the yeah when you get a sale and then, yeah, that next one, I think one of the biggest things that helps you get that next one is the assumptiveness because you just got a sale. So you're like, oh yeah, so we're just going to get the sale. Like we're just going to get this sale is what you're thinking. Cause you just got one. So you just saw the whole thing play out and you're just ready to get the next one, you know? Totally. Yeah. You can see the end zone. You see you're the like, oh, finish line. There. Yeah. Yep. You see the, you actually can see the finish line instead of just hoping like, oh, I hope the finish line comes up. It's like, you're seeing it cause you just saw it. Um, totally. Definitely like. Yeah, momentum is so underappreciated in sales, I would say, because a lot of us, including myself at a lot of times, and I see this in my office too, I do phone sales. Um, so mm -hmm. we do, you know, mortgages um, over the phone, basically. And I see this in my office because someone will get a sale and they'll just let the whole thing fizzle out and they'll go take a break. They'll go do this, they'll kind of celebrate it. 
and they'll let yeah. all that momentum fizzle out and they kind of want to chill the rest of the day. And yep. if they would just capitalize on that momentum, because that momentum is like a gift from God, like, all right, you have the universe on your side now, like let's rock, you know, cause you got that momentum. I think that's something I would love to capitalize more on. Cause I know it's, you know, very useful. We have a sign in our office that says no victory laps, which is like, I did a training once about that exact thing. Like you get a deal you close it and you're like, awesome. And then you let your foot off the gas and you're like, take a yep. victory lap. Like you're not engaged anymore and you just missed out on that opportunity for momentum like you're talking about so yeah it's a real thing yeah oh yeah i mean it's a huge opportunity to capitalize on all of a sudden you feel great and you're pumped you got to capitalize right. on that because most of your day is not going to be feeling like that in general um so when you do feel that like that it's funny that we we let it dissipate you know right take that victory lap well sales is brutal like you're just encountering rejection one after another and so any chance you get that like lifts you like take advantage of that because it is few and far between oftentimes so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah definitely take it do not take it for granted yeah definitely don't take that momentum for granted i think too like one of my buddies at my office he gave me this tip on um so we we have purchase loans and then we got refinance so all of us really like the refinances because they're so much faster. Um, the person already has a house. You just got to refinance it. If you can get it in, if you can get the deal in, you're going to get paid on it very quickly. The purchases, the purchases, all of us don't like as much because um, it's this long process. They got to find the house first, all this stuff. Right. Um, right. But we have to, the, with the interest rates going up right now, we all have to go to purchase because less people are refinancing if the rates are going up. Right. So we're sure. all like kind of going towards purchase now. And my buddy, he gave me like this tip about how to do purchases better. And it kind of like, that was another thing where like, it kind of like gave me that feeling of like, um, almost like I got a sale because I got like this trick, you know, or I got like this, uh, this advice and I just wanted to put into action right then and there. Yep. That's another thing that a lot of, uh, salespeople can relate to is like when someone gives you a tip and you think you, you found the Holy grail. Mm -hmm. you know <laughs> you guys do like sales meetings frequently where they do like trainings and that kind of stuff uh-uh and ours like we'll do most of our stuff being door-to-door -door, we're like out on our own right so you're like in a neighborhood and you're creating your own schedule you're i don't know just out there and then we'll go back to our office maybe only once or twice a week and we'll do this little hour training where we'll go over numbers we'll go over um, different incentives that kind of stuff but we'll do like a specific training for guys to go out and implement in the field and it is kind of like that visually we're handing everyone a new weapon for them to go out and take to battle with them and so that can be a lot of fun we always see a big pop on days that we have meetings because everyone does have that confidence where they're like oh cool i'm going to use this one liner or you know i'm going to build emotion this way because the top guy in the office does and all of a sudden everyone's really confident in this cool skill and most of them end up slipping back to their comfortable routine. But over time, now you've got this bag full of different skills that you can use and I don't know, let's be more successful with it, which is kind of cool. That's cool to hear from you as a, in the mortgage or sorry, in the sales manager position, um, saying that those meetings give 
like value <laughs> because like I feel like a lot of the salespeople hate all those meetings. Like as a sales guy, I always hate those meetings. I never think that they help me. Um, so it's funny. It's funny to hear you say that like the the numbers jump up the next day. That's funny. That I mean, I'm sure that that's true. If that's what you're seeing, though, it's just uh, it's guys that hate it too. Like I mean, of course I'm the like I'm the sales manager, so I'm like everyone loves our meetings, but. You know, I'm sure there's tons of guys that zone out, but yeah, in our, our industry is kind of weird where the guys that are running the office, they, they are the leaders, right? Like I go out there and knock doors and I'm the number one sales guy in our office every single week. Otherwise I'm not really leading them. You know what I mean? Like there's so many sales industries that I hate, I don't know how yours works, but I hate it when you've got a manager who's this guy that like used to make sales five years ago and he used to have all these records and now he's like managing the team when he doesn't have the credibility anymore people don't believe him he's not right. like leading from the front and so like that's a huge cancer creator in the solar industry is someone who takes that kind of position where i love going out and leading by example because if i'm not actively doing the things i'm training on why would they do it and so, mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I like to think that a leader inspires guys more than he like manages and holds a line of, you didn't hit your production minimums and now he's like cracking the whip, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Especially too, like sometimes those managers get exposed and they step down for management and then you see them actually selling. And it was all, it was all make-believe off jump what they were saying about their numbers back in the day or it was true and they were in a different industry in terms of you know the the environment for the sale was different back then i think that's yeah, a big dudes one are selling too. cars before like the internet was out and you're like dude selling cars is totally different now yeah exactly yeah like they're just like very disconnected from reality um yeah those are the worst i hate all that especially when they <laughs> they just love to talk about their numbers from back in the day um right. yeah it's kind of funny stuff but that's uh and that's that's all over the the sales profession you know for sure all over so what what part of the country are you selling in now massachusetts yeah i'm in uh southern massachusetts kind of near cape cod and so we uh have like 60 guys kind of scattered throughout the lower massachusetts uh, part of the state you have how many guys 60 just about 60. Okay. And how long have you been in management instead of just selling? Um, you know, I was just a sales guy for like a year. Um, and then in 2014 or 15, I jumped up into um, like a district manager kind of over a, an area. And I've just been doing that ever since. Oh, okay. So you've been in management a long time then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I mean, I'd say, I mean, still 75% of my income comes from my personal sales, but maybe 25% comes from, you know, the overrides from the office or like leading the team kind of thing. Yeah. So do you think that management as well is something that's, you know, is a teachable skill? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely is, but management is really tricky um, because you're dealing with I mean it's like being a parent you know what I mean you're dealing with kids that don't necessarily want to be managed or <laughs> yeah uh, you, you know what I mean so it's really difficult because some people 
don't want to be inspired. Some people need like incentives, like you give them a carrot for them to chase and other guys, like you need to hold them accountable. Like they need to stick. Yeah. And so it's like finding this balance of all these different humans. And sometimes I don't relate to a guy and I'm maybe not the best leader he could have. Um, but I think if you really care about your people and you genuinely want to see them do better and see, you know, help them in what ways you can, um, being a manager can be crazy fulfilling. I honestly feel like I would make more money if I stepped down from management and just sold more. Mm -hmm. Like half of my time is spent doing managing stuff, but only 25% of my income is from management stuff. But the fulfillment I get from like getting to know my team and bringing in some kid who's broke and then seeing him, you know, make quarter million the next year. Like that's a, a really cool thing that I get to experience all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really fulfilling that kind of thing being a manager, but it's not, it's not easy. It's a learned thing. Yeah. I think what you said about, about caring about the guys, I think that's the whole key right there. Anytime I've had a manager that was bad, I never got the vibe that he cared about me at all. Anytime I had a manager that was good, it was just that, that he cared about me. You know, I think that's like the, that is like the thing right there, I would say. And that allows you to make mistakes too. Like if I have relationship equity with someone, like they know me, they trust me. I can say right. something that doesn't land or I can ignore their phone call because I'm on a date with my wife and they get it. Like they, they don't feel like they're being alienated or that I don't care because they know me. And so it allows us to have a better relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. They'll open up to you about what's actually going on in their lives or, you know, maybe their numbers are low. They'll actually tell you the truth. <laughs> you can actually get to the bottom of like what's going on. Um, For sure. Yeah, but it, but if you don't care about the person, they're gonna have their guard up, all, like with you, right? Hundred percent, you know. Um, yeah, that's something I remind myself of all the time when I'm uh, when I'm just selling is like just care about the clients. That's like a big part too. Is like you know people can really pick up on these things instantaneously if you actually are trying to help them or if you're not. You know, it's For like. Sure. It almost, it's like whatever you're saying or, or, or whatnot, that's important. Very, very important. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to downplay like what you say does matter, but the caring side of it is like probably quite a bit more um, important and people really do pick up on it um, more than you'd think, you know? That old saying that like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I mean, there's cheesy stuff, but there's like, truths those are sayings for a reason like oh, caring yeah. about people and i don't know human beings pick up when someone's being genuine and when someone's not and uh -huh. so yeah being able to actually <laughs> care about people and convey that to customers is a big deal yeah and that's that's a it's easy to switch into that mind state of of caring for people i feel like that's within all of us like that's not that hard to access that part of our um ourselves like caring about people because it's um it's in it's in all of us but sure. doing it you know for a large part of part of your day that is kind of hard to to build because it's kind of like a habit you know like to to be in that mind state that's something that i've been trying to get better at is like just stay in that mind state you know like i can access that mind state quickly and easily because it's in me and and if i want to access that mind state to try to help someone 
I can access that easily, but then I forget. And I start thinking about myself, my own deals, you know, my manager starts yelling at me, he wants more deals, more deals, you know, right. um, everyone around me seems to be getting deals. So I'm like, oh, I need to get my deal. Uh, and then it all goes on myself. I start thinking like, okay, like me and myself, and I just need these deals. And then boom, just like that, I'm out of that mindset of caring for the client. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. So what's your, uh, do you have like a plan for sales in general? Like, are you trying to bounce out of sale, like build up enough money to bounce out at some point? Or do you have like a plan long-term that you want to share at all? I mean, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be in an industry that is growing so quickly that, I mean, like the yeah. pay stub or whatever I sent to you, like 800 grand in a year is way more than I would know what to do with, but now it's Wait, it was 800. Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Did was, you send, pretty... did you send me the 800 one? I think so. Yeah. Really? Let me see. Yeah. Oh, I don't think you sent it in terms of like a picture. Did you ever send a picture of the W2? I did. It was a 1099 and I had like a red circle on there or something, but you gave so many, I'm sure that. Oh, that's right. Okay. Cause I don't think I posted that one. I don't think I posted it because the biggest one I posted was like close. It was over 600. Yeah. I saw that. I was wow. looking at a couple of them and I was like, shoot, I make, I would have thought like in sales, you'd have people that were making like over a million and just sending you stuff. And I was like, well, dang, I've got a pretty good one. And so I sent my 800. Well, you'd be the highest um, then. Cause I thought, I oh, thought nice. the highest was 640. I thought that was yours. I didn't know you made over. So you, what was the exact amount? It was like 800 and eight or something like just barely over 800 grand but then i had some other stock stuff that technically put me over a million but as far as the like 1099 it showed 800 okay so it's 800 wow okay i didn't know that wow um, yeah, it was it was a good year but i mean for me i don't know like i don't i don't know how long i'm all of our families back in utah my wife's back or her family's back in utah and so we definitely want to be out here for a while, but I'm definitely buying up real estate and, you know what I mean? All kinds of other stuff so that when I am ready to step back, whether that's five years, 10 years, 15, whatever it is, um, enough that I've got cash flow coming in and I don't necessarily need to, I don't know, dive into another job if I don't want to. So definitely trying to be smart with that kind of stuff to be sure that we've got cash flow and different uh, we're putting the money in the right places and I'm not just out buying cars or being an idiot. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. When you make that type of money, you really can, you know, if you want to step back for a second, you really can like be like, yeah, I'm going to step back for a second, just in general from working. And it's real sure. at that point. Like that's not like something that wouldn't be completely possible. So that's right. amazing. So is this, that was the most you've made was last year then? Yeah. The year before year. I made five, uh, the year before that I made five. It was weird. Cause like the pandemic year, um, was my biggest year and in door to door, like you can imagine how impossible it is to knock on somebody's door and have them. They hate me anyway. Like let alone yeah. I'm carrying a deadly disease. Like it was they hit you with the Lysol. So, yeah. It was such a <laughs> tricky year, but we figured it out and generating referrals kicked in and I was able to sell some on the phone and some people were cool face to face. So it just, 
happened to be a really, really good year where I unlocked some cool possibilities and new disciplines that I didn't have before. Yeah. And so it worked out pretty well. Wow. That's incredible. So you're buying real estate. Um, you buying any like cryptocurrency, anything like that? Um, I'm not deep into crypto, although it fascinates me, um, yeah. like NFTs and that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm wanting to venture into that stuff because I've got some in stocks, some in real estate and I'm doing like some um, like trailer homes and RV parks and some stuff like that. Uh -huh. um, I just don't understand enough about cryptocurrency to be super confident in it. Um, so I just need to learn more, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I see, I see everybody on it and I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone's telling me, Oh, you should, you should invest in this and, you know, Dogecoin and Bitcoin and, nfts and all that stuff and if i had a free second to research it maybe i would i just tell myself i'm too busy and never do yeah yeah i mean it's any it's anybody's guess what's going to happen with that um no one has a crystal ball on that one definitely um so Brian, real estate that's cool the real estate i think is a big play um do you know robert kiyosaki oh yeah yeah i've been i've been watching a lot of his stuff recently and he goes into like real assets. Like you want like, you know, real things. So he's big into like gold, silver and real estate. And I really mm -hmm. started thinking about that. Like, yeah, you want to take your paper currency that your job gives you and trade it for like real objects, like houses and, and things that actually have value. Um, sure. So have you been investing for a while now in real estate? Just in the last like three years or so. Okay. Um, we kind of bought a big house, bought a couple cars, and then it was, let's pay off our debts or whatever. But yeah, the last three years or so, I've kind of got into a circle of investors that I know and trust, some people that, I'm, uh, that are also making pretty good money to where we can kind of pool our money together and buy you know, a hotel project or a multifamily or something like that. So uh -huh. it minimizes the risk a little bit, but our, our money goes a lot further. And so I'm uh, definitely, I'm still learning a ton about real estate because my bread and butter is solar. Like I know that's where I'm going to make the most money for my time invested. And so I'm definitely all on that, but I'm learning a lot on the side with real estate and some other stuff right now too. So it's you, so you're just kind of supplying the money. You're not the one necessarily like, you're not buying like single family homes and, you know, actually trying to rent them out in specific, or you're just kind of supplying the money. I got a couple single families like down in Florida. Um, but I definitely have like a real estate um, like a property management company that oversees stuff for me, just so I'm not, I don't know anything about fixing stuff up or I don't want to spend my time cleaning houses or fixing toilets, but I've got people that do that kind of thing for me. Um, but yeah, a lot of the other stuff, I'm, I'm just the money, but then like Axia, like this, uh, this on my hat, um, is kind of a, a fund that I'm heavily invested with where, they spend a lot of time like educating these guys like me that have a decent amount of money, but I don't know necessarily what to do with it. And so I'm learning about multifamilies and kind of the added risk, the different rewards and that kind of stuff. And because I see that's kind of the next phase of my life as I, um, I don't know, just get cash flow and different assets and stuff. I mean, if I'm doing it right, becoming an investor is kind of natural. Um, so yeah, I want to learn as much as I can about that. Oh yeah. Especially when you got 800 grand coming in, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, shoot, I, I might not make that this year. So I just want to make K while the sun is shining and put that money to work. Absolutely, man. 
Well, it's been super fun talking with you. We'll definitely have to do this again. Um, you know, as we get to know each other more, we could have uh, more conversations and uh, super fun, man. I appreciate it. Did you uh, have anything else you want to say on the on the podcast? I mean, no, this has been super fun. I uh, like legit your uh, your page pops up on my feed all the time. And I'm always looking at the stories and like, I don't know, screenshotting stuff and like posting it to my team and things like that. Just because it's super funny and relatable to what yeah. we go through and what we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I'm a big fan of the page. I didn't know you had a podcast attached with it. And so like, definitely send me the link. Let me know when this thing's up and yeah, we'll get the, a lot of our guys on it. It's fun. Yeah, the podcast is very much in its infancy stage to say the least. Um, so trying to feel out what the podcast podcast is going to be but yeah um yeah i'm thinking it's going to be something where like when i sent out that that post about you know what people sell and how much they make that that kind of like popped off with all these people sending me their their uh like how much they made and stuff like that so i'm thinking like if you make over a certain amount maybe you can come on i think i think people would get a lot of value on that because people are really making a lot of money like they definitely have things to to share you know um totally. I'm, I'm definitely not making that much that you know a lot of the followers are making so even i'm learning a ton from from different people making so much more you know shared experience like i mean again people want to talk about themselves but they also want to learn from like-minded people and like your platforms a super easy and it's not a threatening way like i i like your page and i mean even podcasts like this they're entertaining because i go through stuff like that you know what i mean when i'm reading grant cardone I might not necessarily be as inspired as hearing someone who's in sales or telling stories about management that I relate because I'm in sales and I'm in management and it's kind of fun to listen to. So that's, it's a cool platform. Yeah. 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 It'd be cool too. Like if I got, cause there's, there's uh, the other guy actually that was going to come on. Uh, I invited another guy on another time. Uh, we haven't recorded yet, but he's, he made uh he probably was the one that made 600 or did he make 500 or something in solar? So it'd be kind of cool to have two, two solar guys on. Um, I probably know him. You think so? You may, Maybe, you, I've been in solar a long time, but you might know him. Yeah. You, that'd be kind of funny. Like we come on the podcast and you're like, Oh yeah, I know you already. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> no, he's in, he's in Florida. So, I mean, you sold in Florida before, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got a big uh, presence down in Florida. Sun runs the biggest solar company in the country. And so uh, I know a lot of the guys that are kind of out and about, and even the big players that are a part of other companies, like we all kind of know who each other are. <laughs> Wait, what's the biggest company in, in the country for solar? Sunrun. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, I don't know who he's with, but um, but yeah, it'd be cool to have like two, two like top people from their industry on one podcast, um, you know, with yeah. me and, and it'd be like us three on there. I think that'd be really cool. So yeah, that'd be fun. Anyways, it's always nice talking to a fellow Utahn. Um, <laughs> you bet, dude. And uh, anyways, yeah, we'll have to do this again soon, man. I appreciate your time. Love it, man. Yeah, let me know uh, when the podcast's up. Love to jump on, and I want to put my team onto, onto the podcast and turn them onto your page. It's good stuff. All right, man. All right, take care, Bryce. All right, dude. Talk to you soon. Okay, see ya.